wants to try my 18-layer dip. It's got beans, cheese, bird seed, guac, chocolate chip. One warning, if you're allergic to uh, peanuts or bee stings, I wouldn't eat it. What you talking about? Who the hell are you talking to? Charlie Blackman is the batting champion, more like the ugly champion. If God doesn't like the Broncos, then why is the sky blue and the sunsets orange? Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the All Colorado Everything podcast. This is Ace, where we're talking everything Colorado, especially Colorado football. That is the topic for today. I'm your host, Matt Kennedy, and later on, we'll talk to the voice of the CU Buffs, Mark Johnson. We'll talk everything from the Buffs Friday win, 35-7 to win against the UNC Bears, and then preview the Texas Aggies matchup this coming weekend at Empower Field. That's going to be a fantastic game. But starting off, looking back at the Buffs win, it was a special one nonetheless because it was a solid 44,000 strong at Folsom Field when the Buffs moved to 1-0 and and introduced a brand new Ralphie, Ralphie Six, the cute little female Buffalo ran, and it's just one of the best things. If you haven't seen Mark Johnson's call of it, go on to like the CU Buffs Twitter uh, account and look it up. They've matched Mark's uh, voice with the video of Ralphie running for the first time in a couple years. And it's just, it's such a feel-good moment. And the Buffs winning is such a feel-good moment. The Buffs have not had a uh, home game in front of fans in nearly two years. And the return of the CU faithful lived up to the hype. But was the night a complete win for CU? Let's revisit some of the key parts from the game. And then we'll hear from Mark Johnson coming up. We watched head coach Carterell come up to the post-game presser in front of people, actually for the first time at CU, for the first time as a CU coach. And the first thing he touched up upon, well, he talked about the penalties. And he talked about the 12 penalties. That was the most that CU has ever had under head coach Carl Durrell's tenure. He said, I thought we just played undisciplined. We've got to get a lot of things fixed. And the way the press conference started out is the way the game started out for the CU offense, going back-to-back with punts on their first two drives, which took up the entire first quarter. So we ended the first 15 minutes of play with a 0-0 score. The first touchdown came on CU's third possession, a 28-yard drive that started with an amazing punt return, finally ending with Derek Broussard's uh, stumbling into the one-yard score, getting CU on the board. Broussard is the defending Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, getting his first touchdown of the season, but his teammates in the same running back room would score the other three rushing touchdowns. Ashad Clayton, Alex Fontenot, Deion Smith all found the end zone for the five touchdowns from the Buffs' offense came on the ground. Then you talk about through the air. It was Brendan Lewis in his first ever start. The Texas native went 10 for 15, 102 yards, and a touchdown. He also ran the ball eight times for 40 Four yards. The rushing game was the strongest point of the Buffs' offense. It is deep. Um, it's probably going to be a by committee who's going to play the hot hand. You can expect Derek Broussard and Alex Fontenot to be the prime two backs so far this year, and they'll look to them to play in a, a significant role this Saturday against Texas A&M. But Brandon Lewis, though, the quarterback, the young quarterback who is still a freshman, according to his COVID year, retro eligibility, whatever, he's got a lot of years left with CU. He was elusive. He was athletic. He was impressive in some of the throws that he did make. But other times, he did look a bit jumbled in the pocket. He threw some passes that shouldn't have been thrown, got sacked a couple of times. But what we can learn is that Lewis will grow and will grow up pretty quick. He's got some time to do so as well. In the next few weeks, they may not be forgiving to him as they start to play a couple of top 25 teams and eventually start Pac-12 play. But it was encouraging to see 
the young QB, make some good decisions, especially on the run, and extend the play with his legs. Going back to the penalties, we mentioned that Carl Durrell in his quote where he said that they were undisciplined. Was that understandable? Because this team was playing in front of a capacity crowd against an opponent, they were favored to beat by 36 points. They were the top dogs, and I think they definitely acted like it. Their guards were definitely down. The sloppy play, the excessive celebrations, the unsportsmanlike conduct, the penalties that came after the whistles, those can be cleaned up. You'll hear Mark Johnson talk about it later, but we basically talk about how these things can be cleaned up rather quickly, especially now that they have film on it. Darrell can point it out, being like you're hurting the team. Mark Johnson talks about it later. One of the last bit of takeaways is the depth of the wide receiver position. Noel Wolk uh, for cubuffs.com, probably just butchered his name, sorry, Neil. Um, eight different buffs caught passes on Friday. An amazing number when you figure that the CU completed only 10 passes all night. Uh, the distribution included six completions to receivers, two to tight ends, and two to running backs. Players notching their first career catches, including wideouts Montana Lemios Craig, uh, Chase Penry, both of whom will no doubt see a few more balls their way, and tight end Alec Pell. All guys that were pointed out by cubuffs.com as guys to look out for for this year. We only saw 10 completed passes. However, six different completions to six different receivers. You got to like it. Got to love using the tight ends. Got to love utilizing the running backs. But these wide receivers, though, how crucial will they be? I guess we'll see. When the Buffs are not able to uh, run the ball as effectively as they did on last Friday night, how well can they do it against a top 25 defense? As for now, let's jump it over. Mark Johnson coming up here on All Colorado Everything. Here with Mark Johnson, the voice of the CU Buffs. Mark, first and foremost, happy Labor Day. But as we are just talking about, you have work to do today, my friend. It is a busy, busy season for you. And uh, first of all, how are you feeling after the first Buffs win? Well, I think, you know, kind of mixed emotions. I mean, it's great to go get a victory for the Buffaloes, no doubt about it. But yeah. uh, a little bit like Carl Durrell was in our post game at the Colorado Football Network on Friday, um, there are some issues that need to be addressed. And, and most notably for the Buffaloes was uh, 12 penalties for 118 yards. Four of them were unsportsmanlike slash uh, personal foul penalties, which are discipline penalties. Gary Barnett, who joins me in the broadcast, you know, the former coach always says those are selfish penalties because it's about me when you commit those kind of things. Unlike a you know a false start or you know pass interference, whatever it might be, uh, those are a little different kind of penalties. So I, I think that's something the Buffs have got to get cleaned up. But they ran the ball effectively with 281 yards rushing. That was the most in the opening weekend. Buddy Pack 12 conference team. They've got a young quarterback who showed some flashes and has got to continue to grow. Because obviously they're jumping into the deep end of the pool this week with a top 10 team and Texas A&M coming to town. But, yeah, I think you come away from that ball game feeling very good about a number of things. And the things that, you know, are concerning can be corrected very quickly, I think. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the penalties. 12, to be exact. That's the most of any uh, Buffs team that head coach Carterell has coached. And in his tenure, I mean, he that's that's not what you want to see in the first in the first game of the season. But how big of an issue do you think, you kind of touched upon a little bit, but how big of an issue can this be heading into Texas A&M, a team that's going to be less forgiving if the Buffs do the exact same thing? Well, it, it, it can be a huge issue if they're not taken care of, which is why those four penalties that I just talked about uh, have to be, uh, you know, uh, alleviate uh, moving forward. Those are the kind of things you just can't do. Right? And Carl Durrell has preached that message to his team all camp long about being disciplined. You know, the old, the old adage we have in football, you control the things that you can control. Well, you can control not getting on sportsmanlike conduct penalties. You know, one of them was uh, 
Oh, it was an interception in the end zone. And, and a couple of guys ran up the far end zone celebrating. Yeah. Well, well, don't do yeah. that. Uh, you know, you get in the middle of a scrum, and no matter what happens, if somebody acts first and, and maybe shoves you and, and does, you know, something that's outside the rules, you don't retaliate. You allow your, your playing to speak for you and, and answer that kind of that kind of conduct. And so those are the kind of things that can be cleaned up very quickly. But now Carl Durrell has actually got a little bit of fodder to uh, show his team and say, okay, look, at here's the video. Here's you doing something that hurts our team. Here's you doing something selfish that is not good for the outcome of the game we're trying to right. play. And so those things can be cleaned up very quickly. Now, now the other penalties, again, you know, false starts are going to happen. Uh, misalignments are going to happen. They shouldn't happen because those are mental errors. There was one or two, as I recall, you know, illegal procedure penalties against receivers. Well, you know, guys, you're standing down the line of scrimmage looking down at the football. When the football moves, you move. You don't jump. You know, guys on the interior can have false start penalties because, you know, they become mental things. They're listening for something and they think they hear it and don't. But guys that are standing, you know, away on the edge, like wide receivers, you know, you should be making those kind of penalties. So yep. those things can be cleaned up pretty quickly, I think. And one of the positive things to look at, though, you mentioned that the, the running backs, four different running backs found the end zone. We know that there is that this this room is going to be deep. But every single one of those guys from Broussard, Alex Fontenot, Deion Smith, Ashad Clayton, Will this be a running back by committee situation or will we see more of a two-back system as the season gets busy? Well, when you've got that many guys you can run the football, well, I think they're all a little bit different in their own unique way. And I think uh, you're going to utilize those guys as best you can. Now, when you've got a superstar running back, as about to do in Jerry Broussard, he's the reigning offensive player of the year in the Pac-12. You've got a guy that's a proven commodity in uh, Alex Fontenot. You've got uh, I shot Clayton, who really looks the part. They move on down to Deion Smith and Joe Davis and on and on down the line. There's a lot of talent there. But right. I think what you'll do, what you'll see ultimately, is the guy who's got the hot hand. And, you know, uh, Broussard's going to get that first opportunity all the time as a starter. And if he's got the hot hand, you stick with him and, and just change your pace with some other guys. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised when it's all said and done if you've got three or four different guys who have had 100-yard games you know, by the time the 12-game slate has been exhausted. So uh, I, I think they've got a lot of talent there. And I, that's a good problem to have because I think they can lean on that, Matt, because you've got a young quarterback who's learning. And so lean on that yes. running game. Use that as your calling card. Allow the young quarterback and Brendan Lewis to gain some experience, gain some confidence, and grow as the season goes on. And one of the, one of the feel-good stories on the night, shifting from offense to defense, uh, Nate Lamon coming back, playing his first game after his gruesome uh, um, leg injury, four tackles, a PBU for Nate. It's just heartwarming to see him commanding the field again for the Buffs defense. Yeah, and it's, it's good news for Buff Nation, by the way, when number 53 is playing that way because he, he yeah. is the leader out there. He's the quarterback on the defensive side, and he always ends up in the right position. And, you know, he's such a fantastic player. When it's all said and done, he'll be one of the guys I look back on and say, you know, I had a chance to call his games. And you think finally about him because of the way he plays the game, the way mentally he plays the game. I've told the story many times. His freshman year, the great Chad Brown, the Buff All-American, who went on to 15 years in the NFL, was doing sidelines for us. And at one point, a commercial break, I don't know, second, third quarter, he says to me, you know, uh, when we're off here, he says, who's this number 53 kid you keep talking about? I said, oh, he's yeah. a freshman out of, you know, Danville, California, and I think he's going to be pretty good. And Chad, who was a great linebacker, obviously, in his own right, says he's always in the right position. He said, man, yeah. this kid's instinct is amazing. And that's what's so fun to watch, Jim. And now the physical is caught up with what he did, you know, mentally when he was a young player. Now he's a, a grown man out there. and He's one of the greats in the country, no doubt about it. He'll go down as one of the great Buffaloes of all time. 
Mark, when you talk about Nate and and Ralphie and 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 Durrell and Lewis and all these names that kind of play into what made a Friday night so special for you to be back, for you to be back in the booth with the forty four thousand CU Buff faithful, what did that mean to to be a part of that situation and and bring back Pac twelve football to to Boulder? Well, it just felt right. You know, it's been far too long since we've seen that. I mean, we were kind of chuckling before Ralphie even ran the student section. By the way, there were like 11,000 students there set some kind of yeah. scanned record, if you will, at the gate yeah. uh, for students. They started chanting, we want Ralphie, you know, and, and Gary Barnett says, you hearing this? And I took my headphone aside. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And so it was electric. Uh, it meant something. Uh, it was real football. It was real atmosphere. And then having, obviously, Ralphie do her thing for the first time as a 15-month-old and, and do it perfectly in the first half and the second half, the whole thing just felt great. And then you got a 35-7 victory on top of it, and that's a pretty good day in Boulder. And I, I can't wait for another six of them to happen this season. Yeah, Darrell was talking about the 35-7 the to 7 win, and he was saying if they can get that with all those mistakes and the penalties, then what is their ceiling? What are they capable of? Well, I think they're going to find out this weekend when they play a Texas A&M at Empower Field, a big game situation, uh, a ranked 20, a top 25 team, a, a power, power five team that they're facing, probably one of the biggest tests of the season this year. How are they going to step up to the plate against, against the Aggies this weekend? No, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think we're going to find out a lot about the Colorado Buffaloes this weekend. I, like, you know, we talked earlier about the issues that can be cleaned up. No, those are correctable mistakes. Those aren't, yeah. those aren't, uh, you know, DNA level mistakes on a, on a roster that you can't, you can't really correct the offensive line. I thought played well, the receivers are outstanding. The quarterback's going to grow as we talked about the running backs are, are uh, really, really good. I mean, you've got three potential NFL guys uh, right there. You've got a, a very solid defense that held, uh, Northern Colorado and only 20 yards rushing in that game. And so there are a lot of positives here. Gary Barnett after the game was raving of what he saw in the defensive secondary. He thinks that unit, albeit young, is really going to be outstanding as this year goes on. So they've got a real chance, I think, to be a very good football team. And they're going to get a real test on Saturday in a power field at Mile High. So we'll, we'll find out a bit more. They'll, they'll correct the mistakes that they made this week. Hopefully they can do a good job doing that from a player standpoint. And then uh, we'll get a real taste of it. And, and you know, win, lose, or draw on Saturday, it doesn't dictate the direction of the season, but certainly will give them a measuring stick. So if they come out in the short and they say, okay, you know, how were we in comparison with a top 10 team? Uh, where can we make those corrections to move on? If they win that ball game, well, fantastic. Now, now we know what kind of team they are. So I think it's going to be a great measuring stick on Sam. And I know it's a little bit early in the week, but you might as well make a prediction now. What is your uh, what is your call for this Saturday? Who you got? <laughs> you know one thing? I've done this long enough for 35-plus years. I've always learned, I, number one, I don't know. Number two, uh, <laughs> I'm wrong most of the time. And so I rarely make a, a – uh, a prediction on a ball game. I'll just say this. I think it's going to be a heck of a matchup. And I think, you yeah, know, we talked about the electricity in Folsom Field on Friday. On Saturday, it is going to be equally so. Because, And I make it, I've got a bunch of Aggie friends that, uh, you know, a lot of Texans here in the state of Colorado. I was telling them, I go, man, you guys are like cockroaches, man. You, those Aggie <laughs> fans are everywhere. And so there's going to be a fair amount of Aggie fans in a power field a mile high. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. Because I'm yeah. still learning about a Carl Durrell coach team, what his culture is, what it's going to look like on the field. And, and obviously we're only a game into the season. So um, the jury's still out in terms of exactly what the buffs are. I just know that it's going to be a heck of a ball game on Saturday. Win or lose, we'll learn a lot by the end of it. Mark, have a good one and enjoy the environment. Enjoy the week and uh, happy Labor Day. All right. Thanks, man. Big thanks to Mark Johnson for joining us today on the show. Catch him calling the Texas A&M game this weekend against the buffs at Empower field also look at everything that he's doing um for the cu athletic department and all the videos that they put up he does great work over there 
in Boulder. As for today, that is all we wrote. Join us on Wednesday. We're going to be talking Nuggets with DNVR reporter Harrison Wind. Got a great show lined up for you then. And then on Friday, we're going to be talking Broncos with uh, Locked On Broncos' Cody Rourke. An amazing weekend. Fantastic. We can call it a sports. The NFL is going to be back this weekend. Uh, CU Buff season is in route. And then, of course, Nuggets preseason starting up um, in a, in a, a couple months. So, this is the All Called Everything podcast. See you soon. Happy Labor Day and have a fantastic day, everybody. We will talk to you soon.